through like maybe like 25 years or so of like just not understanding that I was like fundamentally different from most other people <laughs> or thinking that it was just kind of like like me like just that I was like destined to not be able to like connect with most people. Hello everyone and welcome back to the special interest podcast. I'm Alex. Hey and I'm Carly. Thanks for tuning in today. We have a very special guest that we would like to introduce you to. Today, we have Tenacity. Welcome. Hi, guys. It's so great to be here. Um, Yeah, I love being autistic and also generationally traumatized. So very excited to talk to you about those topics today. We're so grateful to have you on to talk about those topics. (laughs) Um, How are you doing today? Oh, decent. Um, really like groggy from allergies, honestly, but like it's, it's autumn in Brooklyn. So like basically this is this season is my personality. <laughs> I know I love yeah. the fall. Yeah, you, you've got so many Halloween de- decorations behind you. I love that. So I got my little cat mug. <laughs> mm, yeah. I'm rereading the secret history, which I do basically every Halloween season. Have oh. you read that? No, what's it about? Oh, it's like, it's a, it's the prototypical dark academia novel. Um, I have it behind me. This is the copy that I've had ever since college. Um, it's like about this group of kids in college who murder their friend and who are like studying ancient Greek. Um, yeah. And it's just got a lot to say about like America and um, like, it's it sort of indirectly about like, like whiteness and um and like Western culture and I guess like a sort of a psychosexual reading is in there as well. Yeah. Highly recommended. My book list, right? I have like a Halloween fall book list. Yeah, me too. I think I'm mostly just reading this one and like some Shirley Jackson is on the queue next time for next. Great author. I just discovered the author Riley Sager, I think is his name. Yeah. Really good. Nice. What's he written? What have they written? Like very like Stephen King-esque books about like Mm. Maine and like New England towns. Um, The last one I read was called The Only One Left and it was um, not based on the Lizzie Borden story, but like very similar, like a parallel. Mm. It was cool. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. I don't know much about Lizzie Borden, but that does sound very spooky from what I do know. Yeah. Uh, girl boss. Good for her. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'd love to hear more about you and your experience and what it's like to live in your body. Oh, for sure. Um, I think being in my body often means being very tired. I've never been able to sustain like going to the office like ever. Um, the most I ever did was like an internship for two days a week. And like, it just, it does not work for me. Um, yeah, usually I just like, I basically roll out of bed immediately when I need to do something for the day. And then like the rest of the day is sort of like caffeinating. Um, but yeah, if I, as long as I work from home, I can basically just like care for my nervous system in a way where everything works. Yeah. Do you have the flexibility that allows you to do that? 
Yeah, right now, yes. And like, I feel so much empathy for people who don't because like, oh my God, I can't even imagine the mental state that I would be in if I had to go to an office every single day. Commuting like via train, via car, whatever. Like, I hate it so much. Yeah, I'm like just never in a good space to do any kind of work if I've just like been on a train for an hour. Yeah. And yeah, um, I do a lot of yoga. That helps me to regulate. Um, yeah, I'm vegan mostly. Let's see. I like to go on long walks. That's one of my favorite forms of stimming, like long walks with music. Um, yeah, and like just lots of like reading and cuddling with my partner. Those, those are all amazing activities. Mm-hmm. Big fan of all of those things. Yeah. Yeah, what about you guys? I always feel weird in interviews because I want to like ask questions back to the interviewers. And often that's like just not even part of the the social contract of the interaction. We love it. Here we don't follow any social contract. So you are welcome <laughs> to interview us back if you want to. <laughs> um, nice. I love yoga. I'm speaking for Carly, but I know she loves yoga too. <laughs> um, yeah, love yoga, love long walks. Um, <laughs> yeah, all those things are really great dancing I love just like free flow dancing and writing Mm -hmm. I feel like those are ways that I personally really connect with my body when I'm feeling like super overstimulated or Mm -hmm. disconnected from my body those really like help bring it all back together totally yeah yeah it really is about just like bringing the mind and the body back together I'm like doing a yoga yoga teacher training class right now and like a lot of it is about like how yoga means like just literally integrating your the various aspects of yourself to like just be an actual whole person um yeah and like theoretically become one with the universe I guess I don't want to be like that white person talking about being a yoga teacher but I don't know it's 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 resonated for me where I'm at in my like journey to like discover I don't know like heal myself I guess Yeah, there's such a difference between that, like kind of appropriation you just brought up and like the appreciation. So, right, exactly. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I went on a yoga retreat a couple weeks ago, and just the huge download I got is yoga is unmasking. Like, it's like a journey (laughs) of unmasking yourself. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Totally. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like just bringing yourself, your mind like back into your body to experience what's there is such a prerequisite for doing anything that will help your body. And then it's, it's a feedback loop, I guess, because like you like notice your body and what you can do to make it feel better. And then your mind is safer to be in your body. And then, you know, it just continues from there. And then I guess like, yeah, being, being autistic in a society where like you can't support yourself like it's sort of like a negative feedback loop where like you feel unsafe and you like want to retreat from your body and then like it just like compounds itself yeah for sure and I feel like you know that idea of like coming home to yourself and like checking in has a lot to do with the topic that you wanted to talk about today um Mm. generational trauma and your book yeah absolutely I wrote my book Family Curse about, I guess, like these 
family members that like probably all of us have that were probably neurodivergent as well but then like they weren't identified as such like at the time because it was like you know whatever decade and nobody actually knew anything about this stuff I mean people don't really know a lot about it in this decade but you know um, yeah, there's like relatives of mine that I've heard about or that I remember where like I kind of get the sense that they were probably autistic, but like, you know, I'll never know because I never will get to have that conversation with them. And so I wrote this story about the, a family where like members of each generation have ended up kind of like disappearing into the, the haunted woods by their house. And the younger members have to piece together this kind of mystery um, as, as a way of like discovering themselves and also like saving themselves from the monster that's hunting them or like the whatever that's hunting them. That is so interesting. What, how did this topic like come up for you? How, what was the inspiration behind everything that brought you here? Well, I was rewatching the X-Files and I was thinking about how like fairies and aliens are so similar, like in the mythology, um, like they both abduct people. Um, they both like change people's sense of time. Um, like they're both supposed to be like kind of like humans, but like, like sort of like uncanny valley, which is related to neurodivergence. Um, so I was just thinking about like changelings for one thing and the fact that autistic people often identify with aliens for another. Um, and I was just thinking like, like, what if they were the same and also like this other thing, um, which you'll have to like read the book to find out, I guess. But like, basically, I mean, it's about how like people who are alien within this world, like they kind of get like disappeared from history. And like, you can't really like find a primary source that will actually tell you about them. You have to kind of piece it together from like the, the lacunae in history instead. I love history mysteries. That's a big influence on my work. Yeah, I yeah. love lore and mythology. And I think it's so cool how you found an opportunity to tie your experience in with like lore and mythology and like all of that mm -hmm. stuff. Like, I feel like this is a loaded question, but like, how, mm -hmm. like, how did you do that? Like, cause you, I, I just think that's so cool. Yeah, well, I was kind of like, I guess, just like digesting the concept or like, you know, turning it over in my mind. And it's sort of like, sometimes it just sort of emerges from the ether. And I think that this, it was sort of, it was partially that and partially me kind of like, like considering what I wanted to do with the work and like creating a vessel that could hold this idea. Like, um, like, I, I wanted it to be about like how how you're like literally piecing together the history mystery right so then it's written in diary format where you kind of like have to like go through these primary sources and like figure it out on your own um and like I didn't want there to be a POV character who is one of the disappeared people because I didn't want like their their story to be accessible like it's not like you have to like figure it out from other accounts so like a lot of that form and content goodness to kind of like give people the experience of living the story as well as like telling it to them from my own perspective if that makes sense I'm so super intrigued like I really like want to like read this now um where can people find the book to read it oh so you can go to bottlecap.press slash products slash curse I've just got the link memorized at this point in the press cycle um and yeah um you can also just go to any of my social medias and it's like in my link tree 
Um, and yeah, yeah. Just like my link tree or the bottle cap press website. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing about that. I mm-hmm. have, um, I don't know if Alex has any more questions about it, but I was just wondering, cause it sounds like you've really like combined a lot of maybe like your special interests. Is that fair to say? Would you like to maybe share a little bit about that and like what that means for you? Yeah. Like I think, well, I always think about like the the Titanic a lot or like there's a lot of like Roman Empire kind of like concepts from history where it's it's mostly like I just wonder what what narratives were lost or like um what we what stories we could be told from the people who like who died or disappeared, you know, like but like we never will. Like anything where it's like nobody knows how they died or like their bodies were never found or whatever. That's always like intriguing to me. Um, like I, I'm really obsessed with DB Cooper, this guy who like got on a plane and like he robbed, he like, um, he held the people on the plane hostage until like the the government gave him a bunch of money for it. Right. And then they were going to try to catch him when he parachuted out of the plane, but then like he managed to evade capture. And now nobody knows who might've been just this random dude who like pulled off like one of the biggest heists of the 20th century. Um, he was just really smart about it. They think he was in the military or something during the Vietnam War. And that was how he learned how to just like parachute out of planes and do all this stuff that like was needed to escape the feds. Um, yeah, that's one. And I'm really excited to hear about like if they ever find MH370, the Malaysian Airlines plane that like was hijacked by the pilot. Um, yeah, plane, plane mysteries is another topic of interest for me, I guess. Um, and aliens, of course, I guess like aircraft type mysteries. Um, and yeah, just anything, anything where like it was never solved and like, maybe there's just this whole secret history behind it where like nobody would even guess it from the evidence. I've recently, cause during like Halloween season, I like to just like consume media that's like spooky and like, just like really make it all about like Halloween. And I recently yeah. really got into the morbid podcast mm, I've never heard it what, what's the deal with it it's exactly what you're talking about just like they do like, a lot of like lore they do like unsolved like cases and um it's it's so good I really enjoy it mm-hmm. but kind of like what you're talking about you spoke about D.B. Cooper yeah um, would you say that's like your favorite story or like, do you have like another story that's like your favorite? And I'm curious to know, like, what is it? Mm-hmm. Maybe, I think it's maybe tied between the Titanic and D.B. Cooper and MH370. Just like three, three stories of vehicles where stuff went wrong. <laughs> For those listeners who don't know, would you mind kind of just like, like a brief overview of I feel like everybody knows what the Titanic it is because it's yeah, like yeah. famous but like the um MH3 yeah but, oh, MH, but yeah MH370 was um a plane that took off I think like from Malaysia and it was flying I think to China when like they just disappeared off the radar completely like in I think um yeah, like it just in this over the, the ocean, I think, between like Malaysia and China. And so then like nobody knew what happened to it and like to the passengers aboard and the pilot and whatnot. So there were just there was just this huge manhunt, like just to find this one plane. And theoretically, like there's so much radar and surveillance in the world today that you'd think they could find it. But 
this pilot seems to have used like his knowledge of just like aircraft and how it's surveilled to avoid capture. And we think he might've taken it like just into the South Atlantic ocean basically. And yeah, for like motives like that are fully unknown. Yeah. No one knows really what happened. Wow. Yeah. It's wild. I have like a fear of like, not like a fear of flying, but I tend to like avoid learning about those stories. But oh, I yeah. think they're so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. Totally, totally. Yeah, and I think D.B. Cooper is just kind of like, um, I guess maybe an icon for the working man. Like he just, you know, stole a bunch of money from the government, didn't hurt anybody in the process. And now he might just, you know, be, I mean, he's probably dead by now, but, you know, he seems to have probably just like lived out his days, like with all of this like government money. <laughs> maybe never had to work again good for him victimless crime right like take the money and run (laughs) yeah yeah there's a bunch of documentaries about it like about like various people who think that one of their relatives was db cooper but they all seem like they're kind of reaching for it they all seem very convinced though yeah, I feel like when you read enough stories and like collect like all those details, like you can mm-hmm. definitely make a story your own. True. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that'd be fun to write a story about like all the people who think that there was something up with their relative when really, I mean, it was probably just some other total other person whose relatives have never been interviewed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to write that down, honestly. Just put that in a sticky. I love That's it. That's a good like, one. You come up with your next book. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the acknowledgments. Let's be like, thank you to the Special Interest Podcast. <laughs> so have you written any other pieces? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm submitting um, a new, I guess, visual novella right now about a baby AI um, who's making a punk scene. It's kind of about like, well, the discourse on AI art right now, um, like it's not like made with AI or anything, but then the character is an AI. And it's about like grief and like living in an increasingly technologized society. Um, the AI finds out that it's, its creator, a human is going to be killed by the Skynet AI that runs their, their planet. And then like they kind of just have to process both the impending loss and also the fact that they're finding out that their creator is kind of evil because their creator like helped the Skynet AI take over the world. Um, and, like, yeah, like the creator is being turned on by the AI that she helped to take over the world. So there's a lot, a lot of like, just, I guess, similar family dynamics in there, honestly, like sort of about like the people who are most dangerous to you can be the people who are closest to you or like, um, like you don't know everything about the people in your life, like, and you might just have to figure it out after they're dead. Yeah, hopefully I'll find a good home for that one soon. That's so cool. So that's your second novella? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I tend to write like books that are kind of like from the perspective, like in in kind of like a found document, found footage kind of format, um, like family curses diaries and then like this book you're like reading the punk scene that the AI created um yeah and I've got a couple other kind of similarly formatted works that are like in progress yeah yeah I guess um I just like how immersive that kind of format is it can be kind of like like I guess um cheesy but I think it's really interesting because like you can just like 
encounter the work as a primary source the way you would like in the wild if you just like literally stumbled upon the story like in your real life I like that element of it and like um I guess like you're sort of creating um like an artifact of the story rather than like telling it from some kind of like third person perspective where it's just kind of like how does this third person know about the story if that makes sense yeah, it's like such a mechanism of like putting you there, like you are yeah. in the story. That's so cool. Um, yeah. That's where I mentioned earlier, he does that with his books. And oh, nice. so it's kind of like his, it's his, like the story he's writing, but then there's another story in it. Like the book I just finished, mm-hmm. Home After Dark. Um, it's about a girl whose dad, they like lived in a haunted house mm-hmm. and her dad wrote a book about it. Mm. And really famous and so the book like switches between like her experience and like direct pages yeah. from her dad's book oh nice, parallel. nice so it's, it's really cool I totally want to read that what's the title of it again home after dark by Riley Sager and then there he also um another one of his I read was the only one left and that's like the Lizzie Borden-esque one mm, yes cool. that one um is about a woman who is paralyzed and she has a caretaker and the caretaker uses a typewriter to kind of help the woman tell her story so you're switching between like the caretaker's point of view and then like the story that the caretaker is helping this person to write that's awesome yeah that's right up my alley I'm totally gonna check this person out yeah like um yeah, the Wikipedia is saying that it's like a gothic thriller and yes. I'm all about the gothic. <laughs> set in like, yeah. coast, um, the only one left is set in coastal Maine. Yeah, I love coastal Maine. Mm, nice. Never Actually, been there, but I do love like New England horror. Yeah. yeah. So like for me, and I know Carly was kind of talking about it earlier, writing is so therapeutic. Um mm you find that for yourself as well and kind of like writing these books um does it like tie into that oh absolutely like I mean I think me writing a story about something is kind of just me thinking about it in a way like in ways where like it's it's not quite as linear or um analytic as like a literal therapy session um but then I mean I think like the unconscious often doesn't come out unless it's like indirect through storytelling or like um that that sweet collective unconscious archetypal shit yeah I'm like a a neo or maybe a post-Jungian I would say um yeah yeah um I did a workshop recently about the hero's journey just in a sense of like um like post hero's journey thinking like um there was this substack post i had read about like um what journeys might we encounter after we've done the hero's journey in our life cuz like it's about the transition from adolescence to adulthood right but then like there isn't really like a mother's journey or like um like an elder's journey we just kind of like map the hero's journey onto these other archetypes but then like they might have very different stories to tell if we were more authentic about them yeah. Shout out to Abode Press. It's the press that I work with and usually do workshops with. That's so cool. That's so interesting to me because that's, you know, not something that I've thought of until recently is like everything, like 
pretty much like all the big stories we watch or read about, like they're all heroes' journeys. And I've thought about <laughs> that before. I'm like, how yeah. else can we think of people? Like that's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. This Substack post that kind of sparked the idea. It was like, um, what? Why might our society be just telling the story of like adolescence to adulthood over and over again? And like the the author said that maybe we're just kind of like arrested at that point and unable to move forward basically psychologically and I think that makes sense because like often capitalism kind of like sticks you in this like adolescent or early adult stage and makes it difficult for you to move forward in the sense of like like literally financially starting a family sometimes or like I think hedonism as the focus makes it difficult to actually like mature like, or like, you can't really like be a capitalist and then mature psychologically because you just like are trapped in this cycle of like, like accumulating wealth or like making the points go up in a video game rather than like working for the good of humanity. Yeah, so um, the workshop was pretty, pretty fun. Um, I had people like try to think up different types of journey as a writing exercise. Yeah. I always feel like I hear people say, I want to write like me personally like I'd love to write a book but mm. I feel like the starting of it is so hard and you've done it so like mm -hmm. um, like somebody who wants to write a book what would you tell them um let's see I think maybe just start like just write the book like however with whatever tools you have and then like you'll get better as you keep writing so like maybe like the book that you currently are writing will end up being kind of bad but then you'll have the tools that you need to write a better one next time and like I think it's just like you can't like wait for the moment when you'll be ready to write the book because like the moment that you're ready to do the work of your life is like literally right now and if you don't do it you'll just be like making it harder when you have like the work of further stages in your life or, like you can't get to those stages unless you just like do the thing now yeah. that is such great advice thank you so much for sharing that it's uh I relate to it a lot and just starting something sometimes you never know where the journey is like gonna take you especially in a book yeah. I can imagine like that process must be really interesting just to see like oh what's gonna happen next and not even knowing yourself like what what the next is but just yeah, yeah going like along with it yeah exactly like you just whatever is like blocking you I guess you just have to like literally ignore it and just do the thing I think yes do the thing um so I was curious to know just like a little bit more about like your autism journey and what that looks like for you for sure. I think like there's been times in my life, like over the past maybe decade or so where I ended up like encountering, like, I don't know, one of those articles where it's like, you know, girls are underdiagnosed with autism or like, um, like these are the symptoms of like a, a masked autistic. And I'd just be like, oh, that look kind of sounds like me. But, and then like many times I've just like seen that and been like, oh, but no, no, I'm fine. You know, whatever. I'm, I'm normal. Right. Like, no, I couldn't be. Um, eventually it was like 2021 where I was just kind of like on autism Twitter a lot. And I was being like, oh, okay. Like, I think this is like me, like, but yeah, I went through like maybe like 25 years or so of like, just not understanding that I was like fundamentally different from most other people <laughs> or thinking that it was just kind of like, like me, like just that I was like, 
destined to not be able to like connect with most people like you know fated to like just be kind of like an alien within society um except for with some people who were like I was friends with who it turns out are pretty neurodivergent themselves yeah yeah the community has been really helpful um like from with with my friends who like are neurodivergent who we kind of like like glommed onto each other in high school and college and then also just like people who I know like online who talked about it a lot like if I hadn't had these resources I would probably just have been like another member of my family who was undiagnosed or like I'm I'm not formally diagnosed right now but you know like who I would just be another member of my family who never understood what was going on with them and then they would just be another I would just be another like entry in history where nobody really understood what was going on yeah just kind of going through your life being like something's off but what is it Yeah. And it's so sad that so many people have done that and had much less happy lives because of it, you know? Yeah. I that's I one reason I feel compelled to write Family Curse because like, that's just, you know, I'm telling the story of people who lived that or trying anyway. Yeah. I always think about how people are like, there's so many more autistics now. And it's like, nope, there's, they've always been there. Like your uncle who yeah. was obsessed with stamp collecting, like think, think mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> Yeah, literally. Yeah. I have a nuclear physicist and a chemical engineer in my family. And like, apparently the more scientists you have in your family, the more likely you are to be autistic. So yeah, who your nerd uncle is like the biggest piece of information that you might have into your own brain chemistry. Yeah. And I, yeah, it just comes down to like being so dedicated to your special interest. I feel like. Mm, Yeah, true. I mean, I think because there's like this, there's been these mysteries of like who I am and why I'm like different TM, like my whole life I've kind of been obsessed with like figuring out why. And I guess that's kind of where Family Curse came from in a sense. That's so cool. I love how like a book was born from all of it. Mm -hmm. I love to read. Yeah, no, you should totally. I would love to hear what you have to say about it too. I mean, like, whenever another neurodivergent person, yeah, 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 my friend Liv has ended up like in a lot of I don't know meditations about her own family as a result of this book. She posts about it on her Instagram quite a bit. You should totally follow my friend Liv Lansdale on Instagram. Also, she's like a brilliant writer as well. How how do you spell it? Oh, um, L A N S. D-A-L-E. And it's L-I-V before that. Yeah, I forget what her like handle is right now, but yeah, she changes it a lot. So <laughs> she's around. We'll put it in our like show notes as well. So people totally. can find her. Yeah, no, totally. She's doing some really like interesting Instagram-based art right now about just like exegesizing her life and her family. That's cool. And where can we yeah. find you on social um, Yeah, so I'm tenacity underscore ply is on basically all of the platforms. And then I have a link tree um, where you can find a link to Family Curse and a bunch of other stuff. And our last question. Mm-hmm. So we love the idea of like autistic glimmers and we always ask our guests like what their yeah. autistic glimmers are. Mm. I love cuddling like it really regulates my nervous system to cuddle and it sucks because I went like without adequate physical touch for a long time but it's so nice to just like get it now 
yeah, if I haven't, if I haven't cuddled for a long time, it feels like I'm just not in my body in the same way. And then like, if I, when I do after a while, it's just like, Ooh, yes. Like literally rematerializing on this plane in like a fuller way than I had for a while. Yeah. How about you guys? Yeah, I agree. Cuddling is the best. I love being outside moss, petting moss specifically is like one of my favorite things. Um, Being around my kitties is so fun. Sloths (laughs) just, I have a sloth in the background. (laughs) Oh, cute. Yeah. I actually have a sloth right over there. Oh my gosh. You have the matching sloths. I really love the sound of the rain, the way that hits my camper that I live in. It is just like the most peaceful sound. Um, Yeah, going in nature. And I would also agree with like cuddling and just like deep pressure, like hugs. That is definitely like one of my love languages. And I think it just kind of like ties in even what you were talking about with like family and like not knowing this piece beforehand or like having the language and just how important that can literally just impact and set us up for like so much success just by like having a little cuddle like I can be so much better for the rest of my day if I was feeling overstimulated and just yeah I think that's so important to just um think about I think it's really interesting Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely really reminds your body that you have people around you you know, you're not just like in the wilderness without like any resources or like support. If you have like, you know, if you're in trouble, I think my anxiety levels are higher when I feel lonelier. Definitely. So we wanted to just give you a last few moments of space. If there's anything else that you want to share, if there's anything on your heart or on your mind that you feel called to share with whoever might be listening right now. Mm. Um, I think, I mean, just I think we should all just be pretty focused on mutual aid right now. I mean, I think the world is ending. Um, We should be prepared to build the new one and we can build a better one if we prepare. Also read Family Curse and give me a Goodreads review too. (laughs) Those two messages are at the same level of priority. (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited to read your book. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear what you have to to say about it. Um, Totally DM me about like your thoughts about it. Oh, yeah, we will for sure. Nice. And anything else? I think that's about it. Um, Thank you guys so much for having me. This is awesome. This was so much fun. Thank you so much, Tenacity. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Go buy Tenacity's book and... Mm -hmm post about it it's so cool to you know have neurodivergent autistic authors who are writing up and sharing their stories um you know that's what we do here so so exciting yeah thanks for the plug and yeah thank you for yeah this has been great so fun all right thanks everybody bye bye Bye.